Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hey everybody, this is Tatiana at Tokyo-ish, and today we have a very special guest, which I am super privileged. We have Bob, your turn. Oh, Chapardi. Bob Chapardi. I like for everybody to say their name, so, because my name is Tatiana Vitiello, and a lot of times they chop that up. Okay. <laughs> Call me Tatiana Vitiello. <laughs> I'm just really honored that you gave me a chance to go ahead and, uh, my pleasure. Thank uh, you for having me. I wish everybody can see you right now, which we are recording, but on Spotify, they won't be able to see you, but you are a, a very handsome man. I, I didn't... Oh, you're too sweet. Too I sweet. really did not think that uh, you'd come out looking like that, like a rock star. <laughs> it's just being in the rock business for so many years, I guess, just kind of rubbed off on me a little bit. That's definitely what I want to talk about. I, I wanted to focus on the history of your music, like when you started with music. Sure. Um... I mean, I've kind of been a musical guy since I fell in love with music watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. I mean, that's oh. probably like so many people. Um, I think most of my friends either that or when Elvis was on Ed Sullivan. But, you know, back yeah. in those days, uh, Ed Sullivan show was everybody watched it Sunday night. It was kind of like the Sopranos. Oh, <laughs> the, and, you know, I'm 39. I've seen I've seen that Ed Sullivan show. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. So. When the Beatles performed, that was like, that just changed music forever. And uh, started collecting Beatles albums and just started being such a music fan and listening to ABC radio, Harry Harrison and that whole crew and just decided when I, again, uh, through high school, you know, uh, just was in love with the whole scene and uh, the California scene, that whole singer-songwriter type stuff, the Eagles, Jackson Brown, Dan Fogelberg, Tom Waits, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Did you did you ever get to meet any of the Beatles? Uh, no, oh. I did not. You've met I so many, I'm sure. You've met so many famous I, people. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I ever, if I ever met Ringo. Um, I never met Ringo, George, no. John, definitely not. And Paul, no, I didn't. I've not... You know, again, I got to see some amazing shows. I got to see Paul McCartney at uh, the Apollo, which uh, is a very intimate show. And uh, my mother saw that. She was a Beatles fan, so she's the yeah. '70s baby. <laughs> That's her type of deal. Um, when you were growing up, where did you grow up in? In New York, you said. I grew up, yes, uh, just outside New York City, uh, out on Long Island. Um, 
So I grew up listening to WLIR and WBAB, the rock stations, and, um, you know, it was really, again, you know, all that stuff was going on in the 70s. Uh, did you know when you were a little boy, like, did you always, did you imagine that you would be here as a little boy? Cause some people no, know. No, I, no, when I was a real little boy, I thought I was going to be a doctor. And then <laughs> uh, when I, once I got to seventh grade, I, I had a very influential teacher um, who basically convinced me that I should be a, a corporate lawyer. And then after going to school, I, I went to uh, Fordham University in the Bronx. And after taking some pre-law courses, I realized that I did not want to be in the music and I mean, in the uh, in the legal business. Yeah. I didn't. So I was taking uh, I was majoring in management and marketing. And the only things I thought I wanted to major uh, market or um, manage was uh, music. Yeah. So I um, I went to my guidance counselor at Fordham and told him I wanted to get to the music industry. He says, oh, that's easy. You just got to get a really good cocaine connection. Oh, well, I guess that was during the cocaine cowboy days, right? <laughs> yeah, so that was great advice. <laughs> that was great advice but, from a teacher, huh? I thought it was yeah. stay away from drugs, their program. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, it was the 70s, so. How did that work out for you? Um, I was never a drug guy, so good that wasn't going to actually work for me. Um, but he did turn me on to a... Um, uh, management development program that was going on at Warner Communications. Oh. They were looking for college graduates. They had done this program where they uh, they took graduating seniors and they put them in um, the four different areas of uh, music. There was the Electra Records, Atlantic Records, Warner Brothers Records, and uh, WIA, which is a distribution company for all the other three major right. labels. Yeah. And they would put you in for each each quarter for each for you know twenty five percent of the year each quarter they would put you in one of the different companies and then rotate you mm. and you got to work with each, and then eventually they placed you in one of the you know so where you the, you were placed right no so what happened with me was uh, I I applied I got in extremely late I literally passed my application under the door. That was that was due, and the uh, head of um, HR of Human Resources reached out to me, and she says, "Normally, I would have just because it was I came so late, yeah. I would have just thrown it in the garbage, but I had put together this whole marketing plan for myself." And she was intrigued, and so she met with me, and she liked me, and then I was advanced to the next level. And I think out of a thousand applicants, they, they, they filed it down to, I think, 20. And then uh, from those 20, they were going to have an interview with Steve Ross, who ran um, Warner Communications at the time. And uh, that was the next step. Then a couple of weeks later, we went into what was known as Black Friday. Mm -hmm. And the music industry went into the dumper. Um, I don't Jesus. know if you remember. Or what year was that? That was, God, I want to say 1980-ish. Oh, I was born in 81. 89, so. 80, something like that. Probably yeah. somewhere between 79 and 80. And it just tanked? It, it, was, it, was, it was the same time that, um, the, what do you call it, Fleetwood Mac came out with Tusk. That was one of the big things where the music industry was so on fire, they were shipping records left, right, and center. And um, 
they would ship all their records out. And the thing is, everything is on consignment in the music and in the record industry. So if you ship out, you know, 100,000 records and they sit in the record stores for Ever. what do you call it two months or so yeah. and nobody buys them they ship them back and, yeah. you, and they get refunded yeah so it's not a situation where they it's a one-way sale yeah so that was happening tusk went out monstrous came back monstrous uh the four kiss solo albums yeah uh, there's stories of that where they would they took uh, trailers filled with them complete trailer tractor trailer filled yeah. with kiss records Jeez. dropped them off at walmart right <laughs> and then two months later they didn't even crack the seal on the thing. They just picked them up and took them back. They just like all <laughs> come like, back. I, that's crazy because you said that how, they've sold so many records. I, I mean, these were records, right? These were actual records, vinyl records. They were, yeah, they were, they were, they were vinyl records. And at the time, it was vinyl was the, what was happening, and uh, they would go, but they didn't sell. They just didn't sell, and that, and the music industry went to the dumper. Yeah. And people were being laid off left, right, and center, and of course they they canceled the program. Yeah. But the HR person really liked me and put me in the mailroom at uh, in Warner's uh, TV. And eventually I got a job in the mailroom at Arista Records. You know, don't, isn't it funny? They all, everybody kind of starts in the mailroom. Like if you see movies, yeah, like a lot, a lot of people, people start. start in the mailroom. I mean, again, I was, it was interesting because I, I, you know, I graduated from Fordham University. I honors graduating. Congratulations. I was basically an intelligent guy. Oh, yes, you sound it. And uh, the, <laughs> yeah. It's I'm a, making it's you think back, huh? Yeah. Well, um, and then I, they put me in what they call the decalation, decalation room. Okay. Right. And what that was back in the day before you had, you know, the convenient computer systems that we have now, they would, I don't know if, don't know if you, if anyone would remember the, that they had these green and white printouts that were done with like uh, carbon paper. Yeah. And you would have to, we had these big machines and we would put, we would, we'd put it through because if something say, say somebody needs something, needed a, a report, yeah. a sales report that would have been 300 pages thick, right? Yeah. Instead of printing it out three times, what they did was they would, they would use paper that had um, uh, carbon paper in between it. And oh. when it went out, they, they would make three copies at one time. Yeah. This is way before all this. I remember the credit card machines with the carbon paper. So right, exactly. And then would they would do that, but they would there would be these big printouts. The pages were like this Huge. and <laughs> green and white stripes across it. And then this machine would take the carbon out of it. And that was my, my job. And I worked for a guy, nice guy, really nice guy, but he was literally illiterate. Oh, and during my lunch breaks, I would help him learn how to read. He, was <laughs> learning, he, had, he, had, he, had, he had dropped out of school yeah. like in sixth grade or something and or third grade. And now he was trying to learn how to read. I was I was helping him do that. But he was my boss. Yeah. And, how, it's uh, weird that he, so I it, mean, to, for him to be in that position and got, get by without reading. You know, that's well, weird. again, it was in the basement. It was basically separating paper. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a, a, you know, a high thinking job at the end yeah. of the day. But he was a, he was a great guy. He was a sweet guy, and uh, and uh, it he, was a humbling learn and learning experience for me. Did he learn to read? <laughs> was that? Did he learn to read? He was learning when I left. I mean, I wasn't there for all that long, but he was learning, and I was I was helping him out. So and, after this, I I know that you started um, something called Concrete Marketing. Yes, and that, that still exists. That's all, all this is all concrete marketing. Could you tell me about that? I, I'm new to everything, so I really don't know. When I sure. think of concrete ma yeah. managing, I, I kind of don't know so, what that is. Here I am in the mail room at Arista Records, 
and realizing after two months of being there that I did not want to work for a record company. And it was like, it, or a corporation, it was just not going to be my thing. I could just tell. Um, it was, I mean, I was in the mailroom. It was like, there was all this corporate politics going on. And so I, there was a guy next door to my office, all right, the room that I basically stuffed envelopes. <laughs> and uh, he worked for the publishing company. And, and he had all these boxes of tapes that were unsolicited, you know, people who sent tapes looking for record deals, but they didn't come from a lawyer or a manager or somebody, you know, that the, that the label knew. And they just sat in the box and no one listened to him. So I said, do you mind if I listen to these? And, and uh, he goes, yeah, knock that be a help. Got to do it. And I would bring him stuff that I thought was good. And he didn't like any of the stuff I liked. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, do you mind if I reach out to these guys and, and uh, see if, you know, and I started my own publishing company. Wow. So after, so after hours, I would, you know, I would clock out at six and then I would go through these tapes and listen. And I'd reach out to these people. And eventually, you know, I would sign some stuff up and I would pitch and, People ask me to be their manager. Mm. And next thing you know, I'm managing, you know, baby bands. Yeah. Um, I hooked up with another part, uh, with somebody that I knew through a friend who was more established in the uh, music business. And we started Concrete together. And at the time, heavy metal music was just getting started. And we were managing a band called Grim Reaper. Mm -hmm. And um, we went out on the road with them. And we, we, you know, we went from city to city and after the show fans would come over and they would you know they would want to meet the band and take photos and do all that stuff yeah, that fans do the early paparazzi yeah the early you know again but again me and they're they're singing songs like see you in hell and things like that <laughs> and it was like you know it was total like ronnie james dio iron maiden type of a i used to love well not that i used to love i love iron maiden all my mom's old i used to go through her um the a tracks that she had there you go and that was my kind of thing Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the way we're back, we're back there and we, you know, there'd be some kid there that was a fan and he said, Oh, I work at the record shop. And you know, boy, but we, we didn't ever got any play copies or posters. Oh, let me take down your name. We'll send you some posters. And we talked to another guy and he maybe ran the metal show at the, uh, at the local radio station. And he said, yeah, I never got a promo copy. We'll get you a promo copy. And next thing you know, we're servicing all these people that were being, not being serviced. Yeah. And when we got back to New York, after the tour, the band went back to England to start writing next record. We had no income because the band wasn't making money on the road. And uh, we had to think of something else. So we had collected all these names. So we decided to start a marketing company. And we're at a convention. We had made a flyer, you know, it cost us $12 to make up like 100 flyers. What a good and price back then. What's that? What a good price back then. Yeah, it was good. It was like... Uh, <laughs> And we would call and uh, back in the back in the good old days. And we, uh, I ran into uh, the head of marketing over at Crystal's Records, who used to be at Arista Records. I knew him from there. And he says, "I got this new band called Armored Saint. It's a heavy metal band. I'll never get on the radio. You can do anything. I'll pay you to do whatever you can do." <laughs> um, the managers are high end managers, and you know, 
so great. So that's so the band it started. So our first so the first record we we worked was um, March of the Saints by um, Armored Saint. Armored Saint. No, the lyrics Nomad by Armored Saint. And then the second record we worked was another brand new band uh, called Metallica. Uh, and, you know, I know Metallica. And, uh, and uh, Kill Em All. And so they were just coming out with their new record, Ride the Lightning, and Kill Em All was on Johnny Z's label. Um, what do you call it? Uh, Megaforce. Yeah. And so Johnny wanted us to work the record and we did that. And next thing you know, metal started building up and we, we were the guys that that we're, in. we're working metal so yeah. we started getting more and more next thing you know artists are re were requesting us um ozzy we were written into ozzy's contracts after a while oh. um, that was when he first started right when he was young and on stage uh, when he was young ozzy that's when he when it he was first he was more established this was in 1986 i believe 85 okay we we were established and he was very well established it was for the randy Rhodes tribute record actually and uh interesting story with that um so working the record we're doing a really good job and um i get a call from the project manager um it was just a good friend of mine dear mcquinn and he you know he calls me and says uh, listen what are you doing this afternoon i go working what do you think i'm doing he goes well you got time to go meet sharon and ozzy at the parker meridian hotel they want to meet you they want to say thank you for doing such a great job and um, we, what do you call it? I, so I said, of course, and I went up there right. and, I, and I, she said, great, we'll go meet him at four o'clock in the afternoon. I went up, I walked into the Parker Meridia lobby bar, all right? And uh, sitting at the bar, the place was empty. Only two people sitting at the bar was Ozzy and Andre the Giant. I, I remember Andre the Giant. And they were trashed. They were <laughs> Already? Trashed. <laughs> they were trash and I walk up to Ozzy and I'm like I'm in my 20s at this point right yeah and I I walk up to him and I, say, and I introduce myself he's oh yeah Bob we're supposed to meet with you oh I want you to meet my friend here Andre <laughs> the fuck is so big I can't get the motherfucker drunk but he, he was he was well drunk I shake Andre's hand and I felt like a two-year-old oh, like a mitt like right huge, oh my huge. god Sharon walks in she says, Ozzy, say goodbye to your old friend. We have to sit down with Bob and little friend. some business. <laughs> and we go and we, Ozzy, we stumble over to the uh, to a table. We sit down and Ozzy goes, Gasson, Gasson. Um, <laughs> and the waiter comes over and he goes, how much is your most expensive cognac? And he goes, oh, that'd be Louis the 6th. I'm not a cognac. Louis the yeah. 16th, Louis, something like that. Louis the 15th. Um, well, you were in your 20s. You didn't drink shot. like that. So. $85 a can, shot? $85 a shot. And this was back in, you know, 1986, right? Yeah. So um, Ozzy goes, oh, never mind. The record label's paying for it. Bring me and my new friend here a shot <laughs> Now, so I'm sitting, I'm sitting on this side of the table. Sharon is sitting next to Ozzy on that side of the table. Right? Uh -huh. So they're sitting next to each other. Sharon's just a little bit behind Ozzy. She's giving me this look. Now, I just met them both. Yeah. She's giving me this, like, evil wife kind of eye. Because he's like, drunk? Go drink with them. The guy's oh, drunk. Oh, yeah. I can see the signals coming towards me, <laughs> you know, as most guys know from hanging around with their friends and their friends' wives, you know? Yeah, you know that look. So I'm um, now don't know what to do. The shots get put in front of us. Ozzy goes, cheers, Bob. He knocks it back. 
I'm frozen like a deer in the headlights. I have no <laughs> idea what to do. So I got Sharon looking at me like she's ready to kill me. I got Ozzy who wants to keep on drinking. And I'm sitting here sweating bullets, right? So Ozzy goes to me, Bob, you haven't drank any shot. Come on, drink with me. And Sharon's looking at me going. Don't do it. Oh, who I'm do you, going. Who do you, who do you go for? The wife, the husband? I mean. Right. And again, being a 25-year-old kid, I'm like, what do I do? Right? Yeah. So I know what to do. And so finally, Ozzy, look, let me tell him. He goes, what are you, some kind of pussy? At this point, <laughs> I snap. My brain snaps. And I go, you know what? Fuck you, Ozzy. Fuck I you. do the shot. He reaches over the table. He grabs me by my collar yeah. right, and pulls me over there and he kisses me square on the lips pushes oh, me back i wind goodness. up falling over the chair i'm laying <laughs> on the floor he stands up and goes i think that man just gave me aids <laughs> and that was and that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship and we did no, a lot we... of work with ozzy and sharon i, I shouted then just threw her hands up the air whatever and we she just knew that was it he, that. he had gotten you and he actually saw I'll show you he signed here's something over yeah, here yeah let me see I would love Let's to see. see. Can... This room is absolutely put gorgeous. Put another light on here for a minute. Get a little more action going. Okay, here you go. Let's and see. this is what he signed to me when we did that. Let me see. When you... Bob, I love ya fuck. I love <laughs> you, you fuck. To Ozzy, big, Ozzy. big Bob. Oh my God, I love that. That is. So that, was, that was my memento from uh, my first. For your first kiss? <laughs> My first kiss about with Ozzy. Oh my yeah. God! So obviously, no one has AIDS. I'm glad. No one has AIDS. And <laughs> that I think just you just Ozzy being it. Ozzy, and it was you know a lot of fun. So yeah, well, that was your first meeting with Ozzy, <laughs> and after that, I'm sure every meeting after that with everybody else was probably uh, a walk in the park. Yeah, it was again different artists is different, you know. But that was probably things. your most memorable one. Ah. Uh, there's probably many. Yeah, Dave Mustaine, you know, had dinner with him and he, you know, they were, the Megadeth guys were just out of rehab and Dave was straight and, you know, he wanted, you know, and he was, he had, he had all this adrenaline and, and he was doing kickboxing and hang gliding and <laughs> skydiving. Yeah. And we we're at dinner and, you know, I had the manager was there and the publicist was there and one of the guys from Rip Magazine, photographer, and me, and Dave goes, you know what, tomorrow, we're all going skydiving. Oh, my God. You're trying to close the deal, right? So you have to go. I was like, yeah, I guess we're going. <laughs> I guess and we're going. So the next morning, we're on our way early in the morning to Paris, California, to go skydiving. Um, we actually ran into Patrick Swayze who was um, doing rehearsing for Point Break. He was because he, he did his own stunts. So we go up in the plane and they have the, what they would, they would normally do, they put the lighter guys in the back and I'm kind of a light guy. So yeah. they put me in the back, but Patrick wanted to be the last guy out. Yeah. So he, they put him in first. And what they do is the, there's no seats in the planes that you, you jump out when you're doing the parachuting. Yes. So Patrick was up against the back and they put me, I'm sitting in Patrick's lap. And I just turned to him, I go, you know how many women would give their eye teeth to be sitting where I'm sitting right now? <laughs> he 
he's a, he, he was a real sweet guy and then everybody jumped and I was the last guy before him. So wait, you he, weren't even like, you know how you're a first time jumper and you're hooked to somebody? You guys yeah, I was, oh yes, I was, oh, I, I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. Yes, I was, it was tandem. I was hooked to somebody. Okay. But still, you know, jumping out of a plane with or without anybody, it's just, you still kind of like, you know, I, my whole life, I kind of been trained not to jump out of planes. I agree I agree I've so done it one time a plane your brain just it takes a while for you to really connect that no your body doesn't want to jump right well but once I got on the plane I became very calm because I knew there was no way I was going to fly back down in front of all these metal oh. guys you know I was like <laughs> and Patrick Swayze um now was he a big time star already then or had he oh, already yeah. done the movie oh, yeah. Ghost? This was, I think this was after I think it was after Ghost. It was after, uh, it was definitely after Dirty Dancing. Yeah. What a wonderful guy. What a wonderful guy. Oh, he was a sweetheart. He was a, he was a amazing, amazingly sweet, very, and very supportive of me knowing that was my first time and stuff. So he was, a, he was a very sweet man. They're always testing you, huh? That's how I feel sometimes. Some of the people test me, like the managers. I mean, I haven't met anybody as famous as that yet, but. I guess it was kind of a test. I mean, I know I become really, you know, again, not, not now, but I mean, right back then and still now. Matter of fact, Dave lives four miles from me here in Nashville. And yeah. uh, I, what do you call it? Uh, I got to hear some of his new record that he's working on. Oh, so I'm sure like, they you know, we're, we're, we're friends and it's, uh, it's been a, a relationship that's been, a, we, we've been friends since, you know, since that time before. before. Now you're, obviously no one knows. Um, I got in contact with you. I, I skipped everybody and just went straight to the big man uh, from Christopher Blue. I heard you guys went to school together, correct? Christopher, no, and I know we didn't go to school. Oh, okay, all right. Because and then no, the we, other guy is John um, Hollohan from John Cloud Hallahan. Nine. Yeah, John's a partner with me in a, in a, a drink that we do. The Cloud Nine, uh, right? Cloud Nine, right? Beautiful. Which I know that you you interviewed John uh, a week or so ago, right? I did, I did, and um, as of now, like I said, the my uh, podcast kind of blew up really fast in like 28 days and my equipment is not caught up to what's going on. So I'm waiting on my school check in about a week so that I can get the correct um, equipment and start doing more in the club, which so things aren't, it's just a lot of technical difficulties. And it's just because I didn't think that I would be doing how I'm doing it now. Um, right. So I, I'm, I'm working on it, and I, I want to thank you again for allowing me to be on Spotify and maybe, you know, whatever else you do, maybe I could talk to someone at Concrete Management. They know, well, someone, it's you, but they know more than I know. Um, I'm not a technical person, but I'm learning. Um, I'm not a technical person either. I mean, again, it's, 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 you don't, let's put it this way, you don't have to know everything. You just have to be able to surround yourself with people that do. And I think that's, I've that's been, yeah. That's the success. I've right. been, well, I've you got been, Chris. You got Chris. Chris I is got a very Chris. knowledgeable guy. I got Christopher Blue. And I, like I said, I jumped over everybody's head and I said, you know what? We're going to just go straight to the big man. Um, I was working in the clubs as a door girl for about 12 years here in Pinellas County, Florida and all over. Um, and I retired a few years ago, but when I started doing the podcast about a month or so ago, I told everybody I'm calling in all favors where I've never asked anybody for anything. And I'd like to call in all my favors. I'm glad I saved them for now because it's important. And like I said, here I am interviewing uh, Bob at Spotify and concrete management and concrete marketing. And I, I just, I, it, I'm so excited. Um, I'm usually never nervous. <laughs> no, again, you have nothing to be nervous about. Believe me. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I. I you'll, I'm sure you'll you'll be you'll be interviewing much more famous people than me. Well, to me, right now, you are the biggest part um, of my interview right now. Like I said, I jumped everybody's head to get straight to you, and I know that's not easy at all. I mean, you're at home giving me a nice interview. Well, John, I don't know what how much you knew about John Holohan, but he's another superstar. I tell you, he put together he put together the whole um, Cloud Nine. What's, it called? what's that? The, the whole Cloud Nine. Well, the, well, Cloud Nine is, as I said, that we're working on. But before he did that, I don't know if he told you, but he, you know, he, he was the chief technical officer behind uh, uh, Kids Are Us. He put no. together their whole system, their whole inventory system, all that. That was all him. He didn't tell so me that. He, he was he was there when they in their heyday. He brought them up to the heyday. Then then he left. Not saying that his leaving, you know, was the end of the company, yeah. but you know, and it was probably it was it was a good ten years after he left that they, they probably went, went bust. But when he left, they were they were at their peak. Yeah. And uh, I grew was, up with Kids R Us, and yeah. I mean that was a big thing. I'm Toys R Toys R Us. Yeah, Toys, Toys R Us. Well, they had Toys R Us and then Kids. And R Us. they had Kids R Us. I yeah. think that was the, one of their brands. Well, too, I'll Toys tell R you, R I was very sad in the last two years that Kids R Us, Toys R Us, is no longer because that's where we grew up. And um, exactly. Jeffrey the uh, giraffe that yeah, used yeah. to call me every year for my birthday. So. <laughs> I can't that uh, Jeffrey very much. I did speak to John, and I think he, I think he liked me. I think uh, he thought I was nice, and um, yeah, we did the interview. Nice to say about you. He, he did. Talk. Oh, great! I, I think I impressed him, and um, yeah. I was just really happy that he gave me the opportunity again. I I jumped over a lot of hurdles and and jumped right into some big wig uh, laps here, and. Uh, I told him the same thing. I said, boy, I do a lot of interviews, but you make me nervous. <laughs> but wow. again, I, I interview adult entertainers, um, adult filmmakers. Um, I, I don't know why that is, that's my thing. Um, I think I'm more comfortable in that environment that rather than going to like a regular club. Um, it's just, that's my home. That's where I started with me and my sister. And I started this pod so that women can have a platform that people can understand their people too. They're not right. just strippers and there are the bad seeds, but then most of them, they've, they've done stuff with their lives. They've become lawyers, doctors, um, you know, yeah. artists, upcoming rappers. I mean, they had to use what they had to get what they wanted. Um, not everybody, you know, is as smart as you. <laughs> um, again, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, there's some amazing women that are entertainers, um, you know, that have gone on to do some amazing things. Uh, and again, I know I personally dated a number of them. I mean, when I was going, you know, up until when I got married, I mean, again, I would say 75% of my girlfriends were entertainers, you know, because yeah. that's where I spent a lot of time bringing my bands and clients to the, to the clubs. It was scores or VIP or um, HQ, uh, places of that ilk in New York City. Yeah. So, well, those uh, were some big ones back then. I mean, they're big now still. I mean, they haven't gone away. Um, do you so make I, trips out to Florida to any of the clubs anymore? I know you're married now, so you're probably not as big on. Well, I'm divorced. Oh, um, all right, yeah. okay. Uh, so, shall I congratulate you or no? We don't want to. Yeah, no. It's it's we're we're good buddies. We're good friends. We're still everything's fine there. We just we realized we were not meant to spend the rest of our lives together. We have a we share a, a, a my son who's the joy of both our lives. Oh, beautiful and, son. Uh, I'm sure he's I, an adult now, right? No, he's uh, he's eight. Oh, he's eight. Okay. Oh yeah, I started late in life. I was like, I had an amazing bachelorhood. I was, it was so good. I wasn't gonna. End was, was she had? I, I was like, I didn't end until I was like fifty-three. That's so, when you guys got married. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. You're late in life. Well, I love it. I think that's great. Uh, me and my husband, we've been together 17 years. And, that's you know, Congratulations. thank you. Thank you. He's very supportive. And I don't know if John or anyone told you, but I say it in every episode. Um, I walk with a walker. Um, oh, I had a tumor nice. when I was 10 years old. So I wasn't born this way, but boy, I get around. And it's one thing that the people don't see at the club. They don't, it doesn't phase them. Um, I don't know if I have a personality bigger than life, but there's sometimes oh, that they're like, Hey, you're just, thank you. They're like, Hey, were you walking? I saw you walking. Congratulations. I'm like, no, I wasn't walking, but I'm four, eight. So when I walk by the bar, I'm short and you don't see, and I just like fly by. Right. <laughs> so, um, they've always accepted me and loved me. And I just, I don't, my mom said, um, I fit the world. The world doesn't fit me. And she doesn't play that handicap shit. <laughs> I'm not allowed. She doesn't know nothing special in the house. I moved uh, to Italy because we're Italian. My mom's from Italy. And we I moved there the day after graduation. I tried to make it there, but um, it was hard, even just staying with my family. Then I moved back here in 2001 to Florida because I said, I'm not going back to Detroit. Please, no more snow. Then I came here and um, started started my life out here and, and met my husband as friends and I don't know. He's just been a, a supporter all the way. I mean, I go to the clubs. I mean, he's he's not a club person. He's not drinking and smoking. And he's like, let me pick you up. What do you need me to do? So he's always let me do what I want to do um, in a respectful way. But I've, I've always been. Um, he's my biggest fan. <laughs> great. Good. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We don't have any children. We that was not that's not a thing that we were into. I, I help take care of my niece and um She's 12 now. So um, we've gotten the joy of, of parenthood, so to say, because my sister was young. Right. Um, so now, you know, we just enjoy it. I, and he said, let's do this. Let's 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 do this, babe. I think you really need to show the world who you are. And I, this is not about making money. I just really want to get stuff out there. I'd love to get my name out there. So, you know, as I'm always saying, I'd love to network. And again, I appreciate so much that you took the time out to do this um, um my pleasure Any, first of all anything for chris he's a he's a, he's a good friend and... christopher blue but he's done so much for me so far so i promise him i said i'm gonna work this until i make some money because i think i should pay you what you deserve <laughs> i made my first 150 dollars last night at one of the clubs out in tampa club viva um the clubs now are giving me you know more of a chance or more they're talking amongst themselves just like john contacted you and you said he said good things um, right. like I said, I hope one day have, okay. So concrete marketing, have you guys ever represented a podcast? Represented? No, no, no? I don't, we don't, we don't do, we don't work that. I mean, we have a, I have a podcast that I guest on, on a, on a monthly basis with, with the two of the guys from, uh, Panda, okay. uh, professional adult nightclub DJ association. Um, uh, they, what do you call it? Uh, Alon Fong and uh, Danny Myers. Um, they're both on the board of directors of Panda. Panda's a, a, a trade organization for uh, strip club DJs. I think they have like 1,200 members around the country. Wow, okay. I'll have to look um, into that. Yeah, and we should have, you should have uh, Chris introduce you to them as well. Definitely. Now, that. will I be meeting you at the Adult Expo in Miami in May? Yes, I'll be there with the Cloud9 and maybe some other clients as well and our strip joints program which is again another thing that we do we service the strip club djs with music we're kind of the conduit between the uh 
music industry and the adult nightclub industry. Yeah, that was my next question was um, your strip joint music. I was curious, yeah, that's, you know. Like, as, as Concrete grew, I mean, we started off with just my partner and I and, and uh, an assistant and uh, grew to be like 44 people by time uh, I had split with my uh, partner. Uh, probably when we were probably like 20, 25 people. Then we, when its peak, it grew to be about 40, 44 people. And um, we would always come up with different, um, I would always come up with different um, programs and different uh, uh, marketing solutions for my uh, clients. I mean, a lot of stuff was before the internet really took off. Yeah. So uh, it was still, you know, just budding. Well, now that the internet is is here and booming, um, I'm sure you it's it's probably even taken more of a life of itself. Yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 just different types of marketing, different types of things. The music industry went through, like, well, we used to do a convention, a heavy metal convention, we did for ten years, and acts like uh, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. Oh, I used to love Ozzy. Soundgarden. Oh, Alice in Chains. Oh. I yeah. love this. I love to hear those. That was beautiful. I love to hear those things. We had all sorts of Kiss played, um, gave Aerosmith an award, all these guys, you know, Rush, we gave them an award. So that went on for like 10 years. So that was another division of Concrete. And then we had another division, which was, uh, we used to put uh, before the prolification of uh, videos, uh, well, more so uh, just you know, cable and internet, yeah. you know, we used to, record stores didn't have those type of, you know, hookups. Yep. So the record labels would send them promotional videotapes. And we put together these, these compilations, not unlike what we do with strip joints, mm. uh, only it was with videos and we used to send them out and the labels would pay us to do that. So we did that type of marketing and we used to do a, a, a display of, uh, um, CDs when we got the CDs a thing called Concrete Corner which was a kind of a sales program mm -hmm. like when we would used to go back when record stores were really happening there'd be like a sales rack oh all these are on special type yeah, of yeah I do that. remember I do miss that <laughs> everything's yeah, online now I mean, again you could even they're still out there and you can still do that I mean again vinyl has taken a you know has grown tremendously from the collector's point of view yeah um, and real music file you know, uh, you know audio files you know i mean again i still have all my albums when i from back when i was like eight years old my original disney records and my original beatles records and monkeys and things like that well i still have yeah i have a bunch of my mom still has had me hold on to the vinyls and the a-tracks because she swore up and down they were coming back i said yeah. no but <laughs> i said mom i don't think they're coming back but i don't think well a-tracks the a-tracks are still you know you can still those are still specialty type stuff. Yeah, they were they they lasted for a longer time than a lot of stuff because of uh, truckers. A lot yeah. of them had a track and uh, so oh, yeah, the truck the CDC. stops. They would they would sell there. Yeah, they have those uh, CDC CDC radios or yeah, those, um, yeah, things like that. And, but again, one one of our programs was strip joints because what would happen was like once a year a uh, a label would call me up and say I got this song to be great for the strip clubs. You, 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 know, you know how we could how you can market that and i go i always say yes my my rule of thumb is say yes figure it out 
And if I can't do it, I'll come back and say I just couldn't. But I don't think there's ever been anything that I have not been able to figure out. Going back to what I said before, is you don't have to know everything. Yeah. You just have to know people who do know things. Well, then, <laughs> if you're you a, gather them all together, and then you can do you can move mountains. Well, that's if you're the, if you're a yes man, then I'm gonna go ahead and and call in a favor and say I would love for you to give me some more advice and maybe kick open some doors for me and uh, let me show you what I can really do and work this out and, and, and show me where I need to go. Cause I feel it in my soul. It's here. I love what I'm doing. I didn't think of this. This, this just came. I've never thought of radio. I've never thought of anything online pod. I didn't even know what a podcast was uh, until a few months ago till my cousin co-editor, co-producer introduced it to me. And I really would love, um, somebody to go ahead and just let me know, give me another chance and let me, let me show you what I can do. I think I can well, really take again, this I'm, already, I'm already giving you all this Yay. little tips right here already. So I love no those problem. tips. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm taking notes. I'm recording. It's everywhere. Right. Right. Um, so like now that I know you're the yes man, I, I'll, I'll remember that. I like that. <laughs> so so then what would happen, what happened was I, you know, once a year, I, you know, a record label would call me up with a song and then I would call Don Waite over Exotic Dancer Magazine, yep. who I knew from when he was in the music industry. And I'm not, I imagine a lot of, you know, uh, adult nightclub industry folks don't even know that about Don, but before he used to have that magazine, he had a magazine called Performance Magazine, which was a trade publication in the music industry. It, it, it followed tours. So it gave you, uh, the band was on tour, it gave you tour dates, it gave you numbers or, you know, kind of what, what they, uh, kind of business they did they sell out ticket prices things like that a lot of data for the for the uh for the touring world now did they have to pay for that or that's just something that the uh magazine did for them well the the magazine that they basically reported the same like billboard magazine reports sales okay you know so they're not actually they're just they're getting the data from other places they're just compiling it making it to a magazine wrapping it with stories and articles and then advertising and then becomes a, a focal point that people in the industry can go and find news and learn things and and uh again a trade publication um so, christopher blue again he's always such a great help he put an article out for of me uh in an ed and it, it was right. in january so um, i'm hoping that that was uh something oh i'm so sorry that's my cat <laughs> She's screaming. Um, he put me in there and put my flyer in there. And I think I've been getting a lot of press from that. And um, I was so honored again to be uh, put in a magazine and some really good words from Christopher Blue again. Uh, so, so far, he's been doing a great job. And um, I'm just now learning about uh, Exotic Dancer with you and um, Cloud9 and the um, Expo. So I've never really, I don't think I've really heard of the Expo the way that they're explaining it to me. But um, like I said, I'll be there and I think I'm going to try to squeeze my way in and get a spot there and see if I can do some red carpet down there for everybody. Cool. So I'm, I'm so honored again and I can't wait to meet you. Um, I'm meeting you as well. So we'll, we'll go out and we won't have an Aussie Sharon uh, time, but <laughs> I don't <laughs> drink like that. I don't know if you do, but maybe we can have a shot or two on me. I would, I would love that. Sounds good. Perfect. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell your audience? Because this is your audience. No, again, I just, you know, thanks to, uh, I just want to give thanks to Dave Manick and Don Waite and uh, Christopher Kay and everybody over Exotic Dancer Magazine for all their support. 
Um, and to all the guys at Panda, um, you know, particularly uh, Danny Myers and Oran Fong, you know, you know, having me do the show with them. Um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, just again, the Panda guys are just, there's, again, there's so many of them to thank them all, but great group of guys and it's a great industry. Um, a lot of really warm, wonderful people that work hard and, um, and the entertainers and what do you call it? Some great entertainers. We do a lot of work with Ray of Sunshine. She's, she's amazing. Yes, I, I've recently, um, I'm not a, I don't get out there that much to see everything. I'm always working. Uh, so I, when they said Ray of Sunshine, I looked her up. She's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I saw the videos that she was doing. I thought that was such a great idea. Um, I hope maybe one day, is she coming down to the expo maybe? I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm spoke to her recently. But oh, okay. Well, I hope one day to, to meet her. Look, I'll just tell her now, Ray of Sunshine, I'd love to interview you. Give me three minutes of your time. <laughs> that would be great. Well, again, thank you so much, Bob, for letting me interview you and give you a few, give you give me a few minutes of your time. Uh, your house is beautiful. This room that I see is magnificent. Uh, well, the office. Yeah. Oh, that is a beautiful office. My office is right here. Uh, mm -hmm. Soon it'll be something different. And hopefully by June, I'll be able to uh, make you extra proud. Great. Beautiful. Well, again, thank you for your time and thanks for having me on your show and best of luck. And I'm sure you'll be a, you know, a big success because everything takes, a, takes, takes a while to grow when, you know, baby steps, but you'll, you'll get there. Absolutely. If I've jumped this far, I think I can, I can keep going. <laughs> Thank you again. This is Tatiana at Tokyo-ish. And I always say every episode is better than the last, but I don't know how we're going to top this one. <laughs> <laughs>